Hi, everybody. Welcome back to One Question XYZ. And we're here with one of the more interesting people that I've met recently. His name is Peter Ragavan, and he is the founder and president of the Pleasantville Farmers Market. And we're also here with my co-host, Carl. Hello, and thank you for coming, Peter. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So the Pleasantville Farmers Market. I've heard about this from Dahlia because she won't stop talking about this farmer's market. I love it. I don't stop talking about it either. <laughs> so how just, I, just get me going. Yeah. So tell me about the, the farmer's market. Like how long have this been in business? Give me some background on it. Sure. The market itself started in 1998 and uh, I wasn't even living in Pleasantville at the time. But it was started by some people. Oh, so I actually said your title incorrectly. You are not the founder. I'm not the founder. That is so intriguing. Oh. I was going to let that slide. I'm not the founder. I'm not the founder. (laughs) (laughs) I inherited the market, and I'll tell you how. But the the market was founded in 98 because uh, apparently at the time, about half of the retail stores in downtown Pleasantville were vacant. And a bunch of people came together and said- That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Now they're- Now they're packed and they're they're popping. But back then, they were vacant, and they said, we got to get more people coming to downtown Pleasantville- how about a farmer's market? And it seemed like a quaint idea. They started with a couple of vendors, and they were uh, in back of the bookstore in this little parking lot. I came along in 2002, and by the time I came along, I think the market had about 15 vendors, and we were strung out along uh, the edge of a sidewalk in a different parking lot. I'd previously lived in the village, so I knew the Union Square market. I'd lived in Ann Arbor, which has 157 vendors in their farmer's market. And I thought... So you're an expert farmer's market attendee. <laughs> I, I, that's right. I'm an expert attendee. I'm a, I'm a great customer and shopper. When my wife was in business school at Michigan, I had nothing to do on Saturdays. So I'd spend almost the whole day at the market, and I'd come back with four or five bagfuls of fresh food. And I would... Wait, do you hear that? I do. I think that's just the outside. Okay. I mean, it's New York City, folks. You're going to hear police you're gonna hear sirens. You're going to hear fire alarms. So I, Screaming, children, everything. <laughs> I don't know what that was. But anyway, I would come back with loads of food, and I'd just spend all day cooking it and make her and sometimes her friends a big meal. And I got to Pleasantville. I, I Really, I took a look at that market. I just thought, this is terrible. Aw- it's awful. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it was really bad. There was no... There were no, I mean, we were strung out in the line. There were terrible sight lines. There were cars driving through. There was no place to sit. There was no music. It was just, it was very transactional. It was like you could literally pull your car up right in front of a vendor, jump out, buy your zucchini, and jump back in. There was no charm. There was no experience at all. So, But people were still going. People were going. It was a small market. Maybe we had four or 500 people coming a week. And I'd go home That's and I... so crazy. Small market, but you still get four or five yeah, a week. Right. Well, markets back then were a lot less common. So this is in 2002. There were probably about 3,000 markets around the country. Now there's almost 9,000. And is that a function of how people pay for stuff? Because I've heard a lot about, you know, typically it sounds like a cash business only at farmer's market. Now being Venmo, Square, all yeah. the other I, well, I, abilities I, to take cards. I think yeah, people would come up from the city... You know, they, they move up from Brooklyn, they move up from the city, and they're a little bit closer to nature. And they think, yeah, we're not too far from farms. So the idea that some farmers would come down from the North Hudson Valley and sell directly, I think it was just part of the charm of being in the suburbs. Plus, pe- people who were in the city who had markets in Park Slope and Union Square, they really missed it. So it caught on, and, and it got to... But you said the idea, right? So we'll put the idea in quotation marks, because it wasn't... It, it wasn't really true, right? developed as a great experience at the time. And I would come home and I would tell my wife, like, man, this market could be so much better. They got to do music and they, they got to have places to sit and they need vendors in categories that they don't have right now. And uh, after a little bit of complaining, she said, like, uh, time out. Stop talking to me about this and go find the person in charge. So I went to the person in charge and I said, listen, this is what you have to do to fix the market. And I kind of did what a consultant, because I'm a marketing consultant, but I'm... That's what I was going to ask. Not, like, not, what, what is your, before farmer's market world, I'd love to hear about that, but you I'm can a, carry. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back. Well, I'm, okay, a, yeah. I'm, I'm a brand strategy consultant. Awesome. So I did what any consultant would do. I went to Google. I looked up the top 25 markets in the country. I called them up and I said, what do we have to do to make our market better? 
and we're of no threat to them, and we're calling markets in Wisconsin and Ann Arbor right. and, and South Carolina. It's a good strategy, right? Like, don't yeah. call local markets. Call other right. markets. Call that, other markets. And and are, they, say, are they willing to offer up their yeah, secret yeah. sauce? Yeah, they all did. That's and, awesome. What was interesting was that they all had the same secret sauce. They all said, you need at least 25 vendors for critical mass. You got to have music. You have to have chef events. You have to have kids' events. Um, get the restaurants in town involved. I mean, you have to have great sight lines. You have to separate pedestrians um, from vehicular traffic. You have to make it safe, right. really enclose, contain the energy. And so I went to the person who was the head of the markets in our village, and I said, this is what you have to do. And she just kind of looked at me and said, what I have to do? <laughs> no, that's not how it works. She said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to quit Here's the folder. Sounds like you've got some energy. You've got some ideas. You do it. She just quit on the spot? Quit on the spot. Oh, my God. We met for coffee the next day. She brought over her little folder. She said, here are all the phone numbers. Here's, here are all of our ads. Everything you need to know. Uh, I've resigned. I took my whole committee with me. Go recruit a bunch of your friends and do this stuff that you're so excited about doing. I can't doing. decide how to feel about that. She resigned and took her whole committee with her. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little overwhelming. And, and plus... Yeah, I just wanted the market to be better for me. I have to understand, I, I'm not vegan, I'm not organic, I, I'm not, I, I don't have this thing about like, oh, every town should have a great farmer's market. I just wanted a good farmer's market for me. So yeah. to sound to sound like the, the, the bad guy myself, <laughs> I, was, I was kind of originally just in it for- You're selfish. I, I'm a little selfish. Yeah, I, was, okay. I was like, yeah. my daughter was two years old. I said, you know, I'd like to be able to walk down and have this big, vibrant market where I can get you know, flowers and meats and vegetables. And you could have been the only one, I think, that was feeling that way, right? No, because it was really easy to recruit a bunch of my friends to do this. Yeah. So I met they some resigned. of your friends. They're kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. We, so we, we, we started with this committee, and, we, and my idea was, well, let's, we know nothing, nothing about running a farmer's market. There's got to be some knowledge we need to absorb. So let's just sit back for a year and do nothing, just kind of absorb. And the people on my committee were, screw that. You know, we're, we're going to, if we're going to be on this committee, we're going to change this whole thing right now. So we got on the committee in February of 2010. And in March, we had completely upended this. We went from 15 vendors to 40. We and how, how do you, I mean, how do you get new vendors? Do you put like well, an ad on Craigslist or is it just like people ask you if they can be a part I, of it? Actually, it was they're very in, in a way, it was more complicated than that, and in another way, less. At that time, we had a for-profit uh, company that was managing the market for us, and we were really the liaison group. So we were directing them, but they had to respond to what the village needed. And we said, hey, we have good news, because it's good news for them. They're a for-profit organization, and the more vendors that are in the market, the more money they make. So we said, hey, we have good news. We're going to move the market into a place where there's more room. We can get 40 vendors. And they were kind of freaking out a little bit because they said, you don't understand. There's a really long lead time for getting vendors. It's too late. And we said, no, 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 you, you have to do this. Why, why was there such a long lead time? Um, well, because vendors have to apply. They have to be inspected. Uh, they plan which markets they're going to be in, and they're going to plan what they're going to plant and where they're going to be pretty far in advance. And they can't just drop another market or add another market. They don't necessarily have the staff. But we implored them to get with the program and and go with this. And they pulled it off. So we grew from about 15 to 40 vendors very, very quickly. We added the music. We added kids' events every week, chef events. And we were managing all of this. Um, you guys bring in some pretty cool bands. It's a good vibe. Yeah. 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 We, we have, we have a, whole, a whole group of folks on the board who do that. And so we ran it that way for about three years with this for-profit company. But their business model and our business model were completely different. We were very interested in doing something that was great for Pleasantville and they were interested in managing a business. And you have to understand from their point of view, if you if you're running ten markets, you want one vendor that sells muffins in all ten markets. Send out one invoice, tell them here are the markets you're gonna show. It's like being a like being a mall manager. You know, you want a gap in every mall and you want a Abercrombie and Fitch in every mall. You want all the same stores in each place. And we had no interest in that. We said right. there are that there are specific vendors that we want. There are different categories that we want. We want you to go find them. And when the friction got a little severe, the village decided to get rid of them and to just have us manage the market ourselves. Now, is that good to like a vote? Like, how does that happen? I, I guess I, I'm trying to understand more because I've never been to Pleasantville. And our listeners 
probably a majority of them not been to Pleasantville. Can you kind right. of maybe walk us through what sure. the world of Pleasantville looks? It sounds like a movie that has like Nicole Kidman and, and Matthew Broderick. So I think it could be comparable to that. I don't want to make a guess. But. No, no, no. You're probably guessing spot on. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very small town. and So it gets driven by like it's a small community. You have a lot of people that work in New York City and then live there or they live only in Pleasantville and work in Pleasantville. It's mostly commuting. commuting. So what, what's really nice about Pleasantville, it's a little bit bigger than one square mile. So everyone lives within a 20-minute walk of the train station. That is breaks. there a mayor of Pleasantville? There is a mayor. Okay, That's so awesome. funny that you knew that. I didn't know that. And I, I met know. him I just, the other day. Uh, oh. <laughs> we have a mayor. We have a, a village board. But what's, what's special about Pleasantville is that it is very small. And in the downtown, within a couple of blocks, we have all three schools, an elementary, a middle, and a high school a uh, five-screen movie theater, the farmer's the market, the library, I mean, basically everything that a small village needs. And what you find with people moving up from the city is that it looks and feels like a small town, but it works if you are coming up from Brooklyn because you still have a Starbucks and a diner and a whole bunch of restaurants. We have a microbrewery coming in. So we have all these markers of an urban environment but it still feels like a small town. Everybody knows everyone or recognizes everyone. Uh, our farmer's market is in the Metro North train station. So every Saturday we just get the cars out of there. And they that's block where the parking it is. Off. Yeah. Right. And it's funny because when we had spoken previously, you you made a mention that you were very intentional about like location and how things were set up and like right down to like you made markers between each of the booths so that you could make sure yeah. that they they had like a specific spacing between them. Can you talk us through that? Sure. We have about fifty five vendors and on any given Saturday, probably forty to forty five of them. Are in and we, I think part of the magic of our so it's like, only it's only on Sunday Saturday. on Saturday Saturday and yep. Sunday or no nope, just just every Saturday. Now I have a dumb question. Yep, sales guy here. If you could get good sales on a Saturday, why wouldn't you do it on Sunday too? Uh, people shop for the weekend on Saturday. Sunday markets do not do very well. We've Interesting. learned. Yeah, I mean we haven't tried it, but we've seen other markets. Croton had a market on Sunday. Didn't do well. Didn't do well. I mean I can see why. I just was people more. do their. It's shopping. like um, yeah. what's it? It closed on Sunday is um, Chick Fil A. They're like they, I, they're very. I wouldn't reli- even know that. That's they, have so a, they have a religious kind of right. under under or underbringing, I guess, or I'm not sure what the right word is, but they are closed on Sundays. But I've always argued they're missing out on a lot of sales on Sunday. Yeah, and no, I think for Saturday it's kind of a start your weekend thing. So, and we we have a well. Let me get back to. Sorry, your, we, your we always have one more question. That's kind that's of always the one. theme of this right. podcast. That, that, that's the theme of it. Right? Yes, we got one question, one more, one more. <laughs> so we are. I, I think. Part of the magic of a good farmer's market is that it looks like it just sprung up. It looks like the trucks rolled up and thought, oh, this is a good spot. I'll just take my table out and throw my vegetables here. But everything is really well-designed and intentionally designed for when you come in the entry points, what are you going to smell? What are you going to see? What are you going to hear? And so we strategically locate the vendors that give off really good smells like falafel and waffles, by two entry points. We have flowers near one entry point, our big vegetable vendors near the other ones, uh, our kids' events near another entry point. So you can come in four or five different ways, and there's something really arresting in a good way, something like, like wow, look at that, just vegetables piled high or fresh flowers, or what's that smell? Do I smell waffles? <laughs> and so it kind of grabs no, you but by that's all so true. of the senses. I was literally there the other day, and all of your senses are so heightened. Right down to the waffles, you just would you smell did them. you know? I mean, she's obviously a marketing you know, experiential person and knows everything's typically. If it is intentional, she's going to sniff it out. What I is like someone who never goes to farmers markets, never cares about that. I'm just kind of a different background. But what I notice that it's is as intentional what, as it may seem. What, what you would notice is that there's a good positive vibe there, yeah. and you wouldn't necessarily. You'd walk in and you'd smell it and you'd kind of look around and you'd see flowers and vegetables piled high and you'd see a lot of people smiling. You'd just, you'd feel good. And we have a lot of, and that's one of the biggest elements of our secret sauce. The other one is that we get the farmers who own their businesses to show up. Right. So a lot of our vendors might be in three or four Saturday markets. But the owners but the owner, are yeah. in our market. That's really so cool. So I have actually become very good friends with the owner of this uh, granola company. 
Uh, John Schultz. John Schultz. What's the name of his company? Uh, Healing Home Foods. Healing Home Foods. We've met another John Schultz recently. Must be a different one. Yeah, it is. Um, It's New York. There's multiple Schultz. I'm bringing you this granola tomorrow. He actually, I I bought a couple of bags and then he gave me this really big free bag because he knows how much I love it. (laughs) What's what's so great about it? I never got a free bag. I'm I'm telling you. (laughs) Peter, you better get on this. You're part of of the the, the group that puts it all together. Now, is there, I have a random side note, but like I would think in this, farmer's market, there would be some competitive feeling of like, if I'm sitting next to some other guy who's selling really good granola and I'm selling, let's say waffles, maybe he has a better location in the flow of everything and he maybe sells more waffles and I don't sell as much granola. Like, is there like a competitive vibe among all the vendors? There's a, there's more of a collaborative vibe That's interesting. Among the they're, vendors so because from, they're so far apart from each yeah. other intentionally. <laughs> well, we, we try to, well, there are a couple of things. One is we, we really manage who can come in and what they're allowed to sell. And so without getting into the real nitty-gritty details, everyone has a, you know, their primary driver uh, of their economic engine, the secondary and the tertiary. And if we have someone who's doing the primary, like granola, we're going to limit how many people are doing granola as a secondary or tertiary part of their business. If we didn't have anyone doing granola and someone said, yeah, I've, I've got this granola thing on the side, we'll say, okay, you can bring that in until we have a granola person, and then we can't. Because what happens if you don't do that is... Everyone's making it. Everyone wants to make muffins. All the fruit orchards are like, oh, I can take my leftover apples and strawberries and throw some batter in. But then the person who comes there just to sell muffins can't make a living. So we want everyone to be able to make a living in the market. And so we're going to limit. And they have to apply. Everything they sell, we have to approve. And we're very careful about how much competition and how much we allow. Do you have any beef jerky people? No. Interesting. I've got a we beef don't jerky have, guy. We don't have beef jerky. So if my we've beef, seen that at other markets, especially with the you know like venison jerky and that's the jerky. one I would be you know as far as you know I don't go to a lot of farmers markets, but if I were to go to one, I would definitely look for the beef jerky guy. But if I was, a I beef, just learned something new. I didn't even know that was your thing. <laughs> I got a bag of beef jerky in my book bag. Really? That's so funny. But I was going to ask if I were to maybe tee my friend up to this interesting farmers market, what would he do to go get? approved and even potentially be on there Saturday morning with you guys. Right. So well, right now we're at capacity, which is makes it pretty tough. But when we have openings, we have a two-step application process. We don't want to waste anyone's time. So I do that online or do I... Yeah. You, I, uh, so they would apply online and we would look very, very quickly at what's their business and how are they sourcing? Because if, they, if they're not sourcing um, you know, through small family farms, if they're, for instance, if someone's just buying their meat at Costco and they're <laughs> drying it out... It's a no-go, and we don't want to waste their time with a long application process. If their sourcing is good, if their product is good, if they've done markets before, because we really don't want a big market like Pleasantville to be their you know, their entry into the whole farmer's market world, Sure. Um, then we would now how, like if, progress them to a... So there's like a, a waiting, there's almost a waiting there's list. There's a waiting list. Yeah, That's we, amazing. We don't have, we don't I'm have, fascinated by this. Really I know she was so openings. pumped about and, this. And, and, no, and, yeah, we can't, totally. and we can't expand. I see why. We, we can't, we have no place to go. We have no place to grow. And it's funny because you guys have grown. Like in the past couple of years, we've seen growth where like you almost have to wrap it around and right. you've opened up a couple of new stands. I mean, I'm sure you could figure out additional space if you really, really needed to, but it, it would be tight, right? And, that it, and to me, the farmer's market speaks to sentiment. Every time I go there, the people running each of the booths they're so passionate. They love their products so much. They that's that's sales right there, Dolly. Right. Well, that's because being we, passionate about marketing. what you're selling. We have the owners. But I want to come back to a point sure. you mentioned about competition. So I think there's a general sense of collaboration because what it does is when you have vendors selling different things, it pulls more people in. So someone comes in just for the granola, and then they're going to end up trying the pesto and something else. And where we're seeing a lot of competition is just in, in food distribution in general. Whole Foods just opened two days ago, a couple of miles from us. Fresh Direct, of course, came to Westchester about six or seven years ago. Right. Um, I, I, I think they're in a lot of trouble, uh, but you have Blue Apron and other meal prep folks. Eat, eat clean, bro. <laughs> right. You know, well, but yeah, I actually yeah, put I've, Eat I've Clean, shot. bro, in a, in a completely different category. I think that they're super fascinating because they do the prepared meals as opposed, yeah, to, you cre- yeah, as opposed to you cooking and spending right. an hour but, and a half. So, so we, we have we have... <laughs> Other folks who are selling fresh food, and we also compete with anyone who's giving a good experience. So, if, if you want to do something else on a Saturday morning that's really fun, you know, we, we could lose out. I mean, we we compete n- not really directly, but to some degree with anything someone wants to kick their weekend off with. So, is the Pleasant Market, Pleasantville Market, is that like a business entity? 
or is it? It's a, it's a for non for profit. Like I'm, it's a not for profit. So okay. the the Pleasantville Farmers Market is owned by the Village of Pleasantville, and they contract with us to operate it. So we do the marketing and the management. Cool. But the village owns it. So if we went away, I'm I'm actually president of a not for profit called Foodchester, which was formed and exists only to run the Pleasantville Market. And if we went away, the Pleasantville Farmers Market would go on, but someone else would just take it managed, over. Yeah, but someone manage else it. would manage it. Now, like when like the Whole Foods is coming to town, and let's say you know Trader Joe's or any other mm-hmm. food place, does the town vote on that? Like they would vote on the the Pleasantville Farmer market, Farmers Market. No, we can't because they're it's, actually not in Pleasantville. They're not in Pleasantville, right? So they're just building right next door outside. Chappaqua of, opened up in the old Reader's Digest building, about three miles, four miles north of us. Now, is anybody outside of the Pleasantville area? maybe going to start a market just because they want to keep, they want to get people to their area and maybe attract other competition. Is that? Yeah. I mean, Chappaqua has a market. Um, Which is kind of awkward because it's in this parking lot and it's not, it doesn't feel as cohesive right. as the Pleasantville Oh, market. so are we. I mean, we're, and they're, no, they're no, in no. their Metro North parking lot, but. Yeah, but for some reason when we walked through, it just didn't feel cohesive. Yeah, you know, I, well, I think part of that, and some people have actually complained about it. They said that our energy is a little bit too intense for them. We contain all the energy. We have vendors kind of side to side lined up. They're they're kind of just spread out. They might be 10 or 15 feet apart. You can walk in between them and then you're out in a grassy area. And it doesn't really keep the energy concentrated. With us, you walk in and then it's boom. There's there's music and you hear kids and you see people connecting and talking. We have a shaded seating area. People, People come to our market and they'll get coffee and a muffin and have breakfast they really go show out and up shop, for the falafel I and mean, then they let's go be honest. right and then they go out and they'll have their lunch i mean people stay two three hours yeah. at the market and you see people leaving really four or five bags to yeah just, so do you have a lot of i mean dolly obviously lives in somewhat in the area i wouldn't say you're not in well, Pleasant further Hill. now but yeah do you have a lot of people like herself that come from out of town to just experience this event yeah i think that's one of the things that makes our market different is that we get we we track where people come from we Routinely stand at the door in the entranceways. So there's say, like, is there ticketing at the gate? No, there's no ticketing. But, just like but a I, check-in process. Like once every couple of months, we'll just have some of our interns stand there and say, "Hey, we're just doing a survey. Tell us what zip code that's cool you're from." Uh, one third of our visitors come from inside of the village of Pleasantville. Um, about another third come from the immediate surrounding towns, and then the last third comes from. I mean, New Jersey, New York City, New Rochelle, I do Yorktown. think there was a lady there the other day that came all the way from New Jersey, like yeah, there, far. We, yeah, there's someone who comes from New Jersey every week, and it, it's... They well, there's nothing to, they, better to do in New Jersey anyway. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, some of these people are driving past two or three other markets to get to us, and we have people who come up from the river towns, and they have a big market in Hastings, yeah. and they have another one in Tash. So if you're coming up from Hastings, you're driving past two really big pretty well-known good markets to get to us. So would you say when you said like marketing, you guys are doing like, what does that look like? Like if I was living in Hastings, for example, how would I know about Pleasantville if I didn't hear about it from a friend? A couple of ways. We, we have email marketing. So like on some Facebook. list, some, yeah. some list I may have signed up for. So you sign up, you sign up for our newsletter. We send out a letter every week saying which vendors are in, what's seasonal. Uh, we're active on Facebook and Instagram. But if you've been we've, there once, you're returning. Definitely. We've also, we, I mean, we've so if you've been there once, you're capturing people's data or information so you can reach no, out to them again. No, uh, no, they, they would have to sign up. But we've also won Best of Westchester five years in a row as Best Farmers Market in Westchester. And a lot of people that hear helps. about Yeah, yeah I would think that would be the number one thing. Yeah, people are, gonna, like, people are going to see that. And they, you know, they're going to, I mean, there's like three or four hundred categories. So it's not very easy to stand out in that issue. I mean, they sure. have like, you know, Best glue on nails and you know, <laughs> best eyebrow weave or whatever. I mean, they, they have they have so many categories you can really get lost. But if they're looking for a farmers market, if they t- if they Google you know Great Farmers Market Westchester, we're going to pop up both through organic and paid search. That's I, awesome. I also think that when you get there, and I, I keep going back to sentiment because when you get there, you have such a great experience that money becomes no object. You see pretty flowers. Oh, I'll spend fifty dollars, a hundred dollars on uh, flowers, and you really don't think that much about it because it's part of that experience, and there's no, there's no regret, right? Um, Dahlia, we love shoppers like you. <laughs> no regrets. You have, it's well, because she, you have a lot of Dahlias at that farmers market. She likes to spend. Uh, <laughs> we have. We that's have, what I've heard. So we have a lot of foodies. We really do. And even when our attendance goes down a little bit, what we tend to lose are just the lookers. But we get the cookers, people who come in and they're going to shop because they're, you know, they're going to 
they're planning a really big meal or a dinner party. They'll get duck and you know, the meats and the vegetables, and they'll talk to the vendors about ideas on how to prepare it. So we get we have. I think, I think that last part is so important because you're not going to get that at the supermarket, right? right? Yeah. Also, and if you're driving up from Scarsdale or White Plains, driving past other markets, we have to make it worth the trip, right? So that's part at of least that, like a 25 minute drive, right. maybe. And the parking, half an hour. the parking is not easy. Yep. So we really we talk about it all the time. How do we make it worth it? How do we make it worth the drive? A little bit of a hassle with parking. We have seven parking lots, but. They're all hidden behind other buildings, so nobody, unless you live in Pleasantville, you don't really know where these parking lots are. The secret parking lots. That's actually, well, maybe give our viewers that, who are listening. That's actually what we call it. <laughs> we, we have it on our website. We say, uh, here's a map for the, the seven secret parking lots of Pleasantville. This is good. And they're all within like two and a half blocks of our market, but they're hidden behind buildings. You just can't see I them from that. the road. I like, a, I like a good secret. Like my One of my favorite quotes is, if the shortcut was easy, it would be the way. So kind of right. like... You have these little things that are kind of like, if you know, you know, but if you don't, then you shouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> well, really, the secret is show up at 8 a.m. You'll be fine. <laughs> so, right. And then you get a really good parking spot. But what right about like the, during right bad weather? We're, we're open all 24, 24, seven, yeah. seven days. Or well, the they only go time into we another location. So they're not just in the parking lot. Right. So in the, in the winter, we're in the, mid, we're in the middle mm-hmm. school. And then if the school district cancels all weekend activities because they can't bring in the snow crew on a weekend, sure. if they close the schools, then, we, then we're closed. You're closed. But when we're outdoors from April until November, we're there even in the pouring rain. Wow. And, and even, you know, even in, a, in the pouring rain, we'll get probably 1,200 to 1,500 customers and really good customers because if you're going to go out in the pouring rain. Yeah, you're, you're high intent buyer right there. Right. You're, you're saying like nothing is going to stop me from getting my pesto and my duck and my, <laughs> so my waffles. I always ask this question to our guests and a lot of, you know, it sounds like things are going really well. Can you talk to me about like some failures or things that you guys are struggling with currently or maybe in the, like the last year or so with the farmer's market and the group? Well, one of them is just competition in general. Like I said, when we started, well, before I was involved, when this market started in 98, there were 2,700 markets in the country, and now there's almost 9,000. That's amazing. So That's crazy. People just look at it, and they say, oh, you know, that town, they've got a farmer's market. they got people downtown. Let's start a farmer's market. And when you have too many of them, you know, they, they, none of them survive. It just it hurts it them all. It saturates the market. It saturates the market. So we have that. Uh, we have the Whole Foods coming in. But that's and in we and we right? have, that, that's I think that's going to affect Chappaqua more because yeah. it's a Chappaqua market, and we only get probably five or six percent of our folks from Chappaqua. Yeah. Um, but but I, I just think in general, you know, th- there are there's a lot of friction to coming to a market. You got to get there. You got to park, and anything that we do that makes it harder. We had to ban dogs a few years ago because even though most of the dogs who came were perfectly fine. A couple of them, I'm talking like 2% of 300 dogs, as we like to say, they, they left their good manners at home. <laughs> and whatever that 2% of 300, so it's, you know, five or six dogs a week would do something in the market that we had no ability, we have no running water, and we couldn't manage it. We right. couldn't be cleaning up after them. There were dog fights. There were some people fights, over dog fights. We, we just couldn't handle it. Right. We just weren't set up for that. So we had to ban dogs. So And that's still in case the that's dogs still the are case. banned. Right. So, you know, a decision like that, you're going to lose sure. maybe 100 regular customers. So I should open up like a dog park down the street with there you go. staffed. Drop so your dogs and then drop, go to the farmer's dog, market. Come to the farmer's market. But, <laughs> but they'll go to another farmer's market. That'll, so, that'll you, you know, we lose a little bit with that. We'll lose a little bit with Whole Foods. So each one of these things, you'll lose just a little bit. And it's hard because people come up from Brooklyn and they're used to Fresh Direct and... You know, some people like the idea of the market, and others just find it to be like you know two hours to buy my vegetables. Especially the, the millennials, they'll, they'll they'll just say you know I'm just I've got my Fresh Direct account. It's easy. I've got other things to do. I got to take my kids to youth soccer, and I want to go running. So it's great for a lot of people, um, but it's not great for everyone. And I think long term, we we really don't know whether this was like a little flash in the pan of the early 2000s. We like to think we have pretty good staying power. Um, but that's, that's what we worry about. We worry, you know, when we look out at it and we say, 
we, we have a formula that we think works for a certain customer, and we just don't know if that's a segment that's, yeah, sure. how, how large it is and whether it's slowly eroding as the neighborhood turns over. Right. And the interesting thing is, I read a stat the other day, people are moving more towards experiences. So they're, they're looking to spend more time doing experiences. And if experiences can cover something that they would have done anyway, like food shopping, then that could be a win for you. Um, so that's, give, that's definitely our angle. I mean, we, yeah. we, we have to look at it as there are plenty of places where you can do the transaction. There are very few places where you can talk to the grower. Yeah, and I personally take an appreciation in that. But given the those issues where you might see some fall off, what are some user acquisition strategies that you're starting to deploy or or even just think about? Some of the changes that we're making in our marketing, and we're, we're redoing our website so that it's responsive because when we were looking at our digital marketing, we saw that about 55% of the people who were pulling up our ads were pulling them up on mobile devices, and we had a non-responsive website. So we, How crazy is that? It's, when we, we designed our last website like right before everyone changed it. So it's on uh, an older technology platform, and we just have to get with the times. And we know that people are... You know you can just hop on Squarespace. Yeah, I know. Our, our, our new website is going to be on Squarespace. I think it's on Squarespace. I designed or, ours or maybe in less on than a day. Hmm. Yeah. Good to know. So that's one thing we're thinking So there's no excuse it. for you guys. There's no excuse. Yeah, basically. <laughs> right. so we're, but it, it almost sounds like to me like a farmer's market, and call me crazy, but it sounds like it's supposed to be like kind of like a little not techie and not right. like super in your face, like marketing. Like it would be kind of weird if I saw like, I don't know, like a pop-up banner on a website that was like, hey, Pleasantville Farmer. Like, I would no, kind of that be like, I think would be weird, but if they had an event going on, like they did a pie-eating contest. Pie-eating, pie-baking. Pie-baking, well, <laughs> both, You right? bake the pie like, and then eat it. The Maybe for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't get to eat anything, but right, I did take a butter. lot of pictures. Um, so, so like a pie-baking contest, I feel like something like that people would want to know about, and right. I feel like they would go to that. So you do all these different type of events, um, is that worthy of, let's say, uh, Facebook marketing? We, or? we do. We, we do a lot on, like I said, we do Facebook and Instagram, and we, we have our. I mean, I, I feel like we're we're pretty good with our email list because those are our our core customers, and yeah. we've been hitting them up and building that list for years. But you know, we have probably twelve hundred to fifteen hundred, and we know that because they're the ones who come out in the rain every week. Yeah. And in fact, when we've done surveys, we, we do a lot of market research, of course. And, I just uh, show up when the granola runs out. <laughs> <laughs> this granola? I got to try this granola. I know. I'm bringing it. I, know, I, feel, I feel badly that I didn't, how dare I didn't you? bring food. Peter, how dare you? I don't know what I was thinking. You never come back again. <laughs> but <laughs> That should be a stipulation. We should encourage guests to bring their favorite food. <laughs> That's actually That's a good one. They could, they could, people could listen we, to us crunching We can try it and yeah. tell her if we like it or not. But, but we, we know we have... Uh, about 1,500 customers that come every single week and then like another 1,000 that come every two weeks and then a smaller group that comes every third or fourth week. So we have, we have a really good core group. And at some point, I feel like we've reached, I don't want to say we've reached everyone, but everyone within Pleasantville who wants to come to the farmer's market knows about it. Everyone within the surrounding towns who wants to come to a farmer's market knows that we have a great market. And uh, I, I don't know what else we could do other than just encouraging more people to buy more of their food and start thinking about, you know, share of the share of the basket and how much are you going to buy from a regular grocery store and how much are you going to buy from Whole Foods? Because most people, and well, yeah, you guys also, like you don't, you don't get all your food from one source. No, absolutely not. I mean, I think that's why Fresh divide, Direct for some people has kind of like the mix of everything you need. Cause I definitely, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, I even go to CVS. Right. Um, but for you, like yourself, do you shop at Whole Foods? Do you drive them across? Okay. I do, sure. Now, do you, I mean, I, I get... I, anybody, you, can't, you can't get everything at the farmer's market. You can't market. get everything there. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can only get what's in season because we That's only true. allow them to sell what they're growing. So if you want a really nice head of broccoli right now, you, you can't get it in the farmer's market. So now, do you have, like, from a... Like, you were talking about the pie-eating contest or pie-baking. <laughs> Sorry. I'm stuck on the pie-eating. Pie because that well, sounds like more fun, doesn't it? It sounds like, fun, like you know, the hot dog-eating contest right. here in Coney Island. Um, I think that's your next contest. <laughs> yeah. do you, have you had, like, I mean, I'm sure this is getting a lot of buzz, especially with a lot of folks that work in New York City, Wall Street, fashion, you name it. Have you had, like, sponsors wanting to, like, hey, like, let's, like, big money coming in to try and, like, do something bigger with it? We, we've had a couple of sponsors approach us, um, we had a representative of Lincoln said they wanted to put a make Lincoln the official car of our market, of and they were, they were going to bring a Lincoln in. And 
I, I brought it to the board, and we we're just like, that is not us. Not it's a not good on brand. They're doing yeah. that because they had a rose thing in South Street Seaport a couple months ago with my mom. They had like this big Lincoln Navigator. Yeah. With rose and this whole thing, and it was like it was very odd. Nothing against Lincoln, but I don't know. It just looked like they were just like let's just throw money at a, this thing and put a car there. And there was this rose company. It was very strange. I think that that's a tough thing when you're looking at a marketing lens and you hear that type of sentiment. It's like it's awkward. Like this just doesn't belong. Doesn't fit. It's not, doesn't a, fit. Good it's fit, not, a, not right? a good brand fit. And we don't need the money. Is is there that a brand badly. that you maybe in? Maybe just you or the others on your you know your board. Is there one company that you would actually consider partnering with? Oh, that's a great question. We haven't targeted anyone. Most of it, we do have sponsors, but they're local businesses. Sure. So the local hospital is our lead sponsor, Phelps Hospital. It's also which, one of his childhood friends. Also so. one of my childhood friends. <laughs> that's all. all relationship um, building, but, right? Yeah, you know, we have we have a real estate firm that sponsors our music. We have a, a summer camp that sponsors our kids' events. So. We're looking more for strategic fit. It makes a lot of sense for a local summer camp to sponsor our kids' events because then when the parents come over, they can hand out a brochure about, hey, you know, what are your kids doing this summer? And it doesn't really make sense for us to have national-level sponsorships. It doesn't even make sense for us Send to have— Send them our way. We'll figure it out. Right? <laughs> Maybe. You know, I mean, if we, if we control 10 markets, we might even think about some of the, the big regional players. But— all were completely focused on Pleasantville, so it makes sense for us to have local real estate, local hospital, yeah, local. What camp. I also really like is the fact that um, your sponsors want to work with you in additional capacities, right? I yeah. don't even know if we can talk about this on air, and <laughs> um, we're going can, for it. Yeah, <laughs> we're going for it anyway. But um, I know Phelps has been talking about doing some type of like a farmers market, and you've had some ideas mm-hmm. on that. Um, is this off limits, or can we chat about it? I, you know, I don't know too much about it. Phelps used to have a farmer's market that was run by the same people who run Chappaqua, and I think it just faded out after a while. I don't think they had enough visitation to sustain the farmers. You know, One thing that you have to think about, especially for these folks who look at a market like ours and say, hey, well, why don't we open a farmer's market and let's just go get some farmers, is that for them to come down to the farmer's market, they got to send a truck, two or three people. They're loading up that truck at 4 or 5 in the morning to get down to set up. It is a ton of work. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a lot of people going through there, they will, you know, they'll give it maybe two or three weeks. And if you, if you don't have the people, you don't have a business model. So these things build slowly. I think a lot of folks look at a market like ours and say, how hard can that be? And they have no, no idea. idea that we inspect all of our farms. And not every, not every market does. We're one of the few that goes up. We inspect every farm. We take pictures if they say we're in, we're selling cauliflower and broccoli, we'll, we'll say, show it to us. Where is it? And we take pictures of it in the ground. So, and then if people come to our market, they say, there's no way. They, they didn't grow that. Those are too perfect. We say, no, look. No, I show them. Yeah, <laughs> Put they, your money where your food yeah, is. Yeah, here, here are the pictures. And there are very few markets that can do that. But that's actually another thing that concerns us is that we have a pretty high cost structure. I think from the beginning, and I, you probably get the sense from everything else we've talked about from the sensory elements to how we set it up is that we made a commitment that we weren't going to run it like a lemonade stand. We said, we're going to run this really professionally. We're going to have a lot of process and we're going to run this like a business. And that's the way we started it from the get go. Now, have you had any local Pleasantville people like kind of not hate, not like that process or not like where the direction it's gone maybe? And they're kind of against yes. the future of it or what? Yeah, we have a lot of people who don't like us. Um, and yeah. how do you handle that? Because I would think that would be very frustrating, especially if you feel like majority of people are enjoying it and thinking it's a great well, thing we have, for the we have We have some merchants who are in the, you know, some delis who look at the world as, well, if they buy eggs from you or pasta from you, then they're not going to buy it from us. To which I would say, well, that's probably true. If we sell them eggs, you're not going to sell them eggs. But the other part of that is that they were never going to buy eggs from you because you're selling $1.99 right. a dozen factory eggs, and we're selling you know, 6 or $7 a dozen you know, these beautiful from their, from multicolored farm, farm right. eggs that were, that were laid, you know, that were picked out of the nest this morning. Point. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a high price point, so, right? So, I agree. so in, in a way, they're right. They're like, well, if you're selling eggs and I'm selling eggs, you're going to sell eggs and I'm not going to sell eggs. And I'm like, we have... Either different customers, just, I would say different customers, or, or we have, like. or we have different occasions. Like sometimes you just want the dollar ninety nine eggs. You yeah. just you just need a bunch of eggs, and other times you actually want the eggs to taste fresh and be fresh. So some people move back and forth, 
But what we try to explain to them is we don't compete with you directly because what we're selling is different. We're selling the experience. We're selling freshness. We're selling direct from farms. We also have a lot of businesses that say, uh, like we have a bakery in town that says, well, can I, can I get a booth there? And we say, well, no, the whole idea of the market is people come to Pleasantville, they get stuff they can't get in a retail store, but we do try to get them to stay yeah, for town. all the other things around. Right. You know, after you go to the market, there's maybe like a diner or there's a, a diner. cool lunch place. And, and we tell people, and we tell the delis all the time, we say, look, we're not selling sliced meat and everyone still needs to make sandwiches for their kids' lunches. So work with us and we'll help direct people, you know, become a sponsor and we'll put your name up and we'll try to direct people That's smart. to your deli. And you know, I, I, and it's a true story. A, a couple of years ago, I, you know, the, one of the deli guys was yelling at me about how I'm you know, ruining Pleasantville and I'm doing all these awful things to his business. <laughs> Those deli guys. I used to work at a deli when I, I was younger. So. I, I, I felt terrible. So I, I know the owner of the, a deli right across the street from my office. So I went in. I said, Hector, I, I heard the farmer's market is terrible for the deli business. I mean, he was, you know, the guy across the street was yelling at me. He said, are you kidding me? He said, we do gangbusters because of the market. We see people come in with their market bags and they come in and get a sandwich. And I realized, you know, we're not killing his business. The, the good deal. He's killing his business. He's choosing to look at this, you know, like, it, like the pie is fixed and we're looking at it like, you know, the, the whole pie can get bigger. Just get better. Right. Right. So work with us and we will try to direct her. I mean, we're bringing 3000 people to within a hundred feet of his door. And if he works with us, we can try to get some of those people to walk down the street. But if he doesn't, then we're going to work with the other deli or right. whoever, whoever, you know, I mean, the bookstore does great because of us. The movie theater does great. The eyeglass store says they do great. The barbershop does great. All these people say we, we have tons of farmer's market customers walking in our door on Saturday. Now, have you had vendors? I mean, that obviously it sounds like every vendor in this environment does really, really well. Are there one, are the vendors that just don't because of why? Yeah, some of them are in categories that just, just not don't good. have broad appeal. And you know, the thing is, I think we, I think, I mean, it sounds like the expectation is if I get a booth or my setup here, like I'm gonna kill right. it. Right. Well, our well, that's mar- really I think, at the holiday markets here in Bryant Park. I heard their sales are up 35. percent Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say our market is probably the highest grossing market for the vendors in our region. Right. Which is why we get the owners to go there and a launching pad, right? And a launching pad for for some. At the same time, like, at the same time, I don't think any of them are really getting rich. I mean, I see the cars they drive. I mean, like, no one is coming in in a fancy car. I mean, when we say like killing it, like you know, like let's say someone is—I uh, I don't know—take uh, our pesto guy. They sell pesto for it's nine dollars for a tub. It's pretty expensive. That's really expensive. And maybe he sells two hundred on a great summer day, and you think, oh my gosh, eighteen hundred dollars. He's killing it, but. You know, out of that eighteen hundred dollars, be pretty high. Yeah. They, they use you know really good ingredients. Their cost might be seven or eight or nine hundred dollars of that. They got to pay the guy to come down. Right. I don't know what they pay him. They have to. They got to pay mileage to yeah, come the down tr- from the truck. Yes. Packaging. They have to pay us. Then you have insurance. And when it's all done, you think, oh my gosh, you know the guy was busy from the minute he opened to the so minute why does, we, we why closed. Does he keep... But maybe he makes you know maybe they make five hundred dollars. So is it just worth it just to be like? I think sometimes companies just want to be there just so people know that they're there versus like it actually being a really smart economical yeah. choice. I think for some of the vendors, they have bigger plans. I think John, for example, has big plans for Healing Home He's Food. He's a very smart guy. I think Budapesto, I mean, they're, they're in um, <laughs> That's Adams, a great name. They're, I mean, they're, they're in supermarkets in the Hudson Valley. I'm Google, Google them right now. And I think they, and they were written up in the New York Times a couple of years ago. So as a launching pad, is it about like meeting really uh, high-powered people that can help them elevate their brands? Is it? I think so. No, I, actually, I learned more about that from the vendors. Like, we don't invite anyone. Like, we don't know who's shopping in our market. There's no, there's no turnstile at the front. But John said that he had the, uh, the COO of JetBlue come to his booth and the CEO of Mrs. Green's come to his booth in our market. So he Amazing. said, this, he's always saying, this is the market that the people who are looking for the next food trend come to in the Hudson Valley. And I said, I, I had no idea. I didn't know these people were shopping. How would I know? Yeah. I mean, the most famous guy we, we had um, before he passed away last year, uh, we had David Rockefeller came almost every week. He was uh, 101 years old. We saw him being pushed around in his wheelchair and he would just point and say, let's go over there. Let's go over there. And he had... Uh, Couple of people with him, and they would. He bought a lot of stuff at our market. 
That's super impressive. So let's circle back to sponsorships. Um, You mentioned that if you loop in some of these external uh, stores, that you encourage them to sponsor. Why is that valuable for them? I get why it's useful for you, but how how does that provide um, actual value on their end? For our sponsors? Yeah. Well, I, I think they're they're very you know they're strategic. Like Kiwi Country Day Camp that sponsors our kids area, they're gonna come in and talk to the parents. Um, we have a real estate sponsor that does our music, so we announce our, our whole music program with their name on it. I, I mean, this is like it's a lot really, of localized. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I mean, this is really down in the trenches. Local, local. Lo- yeah, like hyper local. I mean, it's a lo- one local office of Compass Real Estate. Uh, a Westchester-based day camp. Yeah, I, I think we, we could think bigger, but I, I don't know what's in it for them or for us. Well, actually, I think I, I know what would be in it for them. I mean, Lincoln wanted to come in and sure. do that. But, I mean, we really try to curate this Pleasantville vibe. We have this great name, and we try to live up to the idea of Pleasantville, that it's going to be really friendly, that <laughs> it's going to be a, it's gonna be pleasant. And, you know, we, I would say as an organization... We have probably the thickest rule book for vendors of anyone. And most of the, if you were to interview the vendors, they'd say, we're not easy. Mm-hmm. And I think we know that. And uh, I think that's good, though, because it, it creates an environment that's serious and professional. And like you said, you have you well, know, processes how, and standards. That's how we like to, to think of yeah, it. That makes sure. sense. But I mean, we, we have things like we make them pay in advance. So on the first of the month, they have to pay for all of their time the following month. Now, farmers will say that's incredibly unfriendly sure. to farmers. Yeah, they're... And, and I totally get that. On the other hand, I'm a volunteer. I, I don't get a dollar from this. I know. I'm still blown away by and that. And so, you know, from our point of view, I'd say, look, we get it. It's not, it doesn't really align with your cash flow. On the other hand, we hear from other markets that if you don't do that, you're always chasing people for money. And I said, I don't want to spend my time and I don't want to pay a manager to be chasing you down. So you're going to have to have some working capital to be in a market. We have rules about you, you can't have earbuds in. I remember when I when we took over the market, we had some vendors and they're oh, young I, kids I hate with the, the earbuds, earbuds and they're and they're doing their phone. Yeah, the they're whole not time. even there. They're checked and so, out. And so we have a rule, no earbuds, and if we see you on your phone repeated times, we're gonna say something. And if you keep doing it, we're gonna tell the owners that you can't yeah, sell can't in our that. market. Wow. And people are like, man, you guys got a lot of rules. I and mean, what is this? Kindergarten? And we're like no, <laughs> this is a business. And it's your and, community. It's your and, area. It's, and just like any business that tries to curate an experience. I mean, you go to Disney World, you're not going to see the cast members on their phones. Like, there's that's why a way, Disney World is probably one of the greatest experiences yeah, of all time. You're, I mean, you have to be, you're, you're on stage. <laughs> yeah. And people are looking at you. And if they look out and they see you know, beautiful vegetables or a stack of breads and a couple of people back there just looking at their looking at their phones. And you see it everywhere. Yeah. So we have, we have rules about them. We have a thick, thick rule book of how you behave and how you show up and you have to be there on time. And if you're late, I mean, it's, it's a bit much sometimes. I mean, even for us, we're like, man, we, sometimes we do, I do feel like we treat them, you know, like it's like they're in school or something, but we also get our vendors best that way. We get, you know, if they have, if they're in three or four markets, they say, look, we got to send our best team to Pleasantville because they've got a lot of rules and we want to be there and we're going to make money there. Yeah. So what's the, f- uh, I just have one more question. Yep. <laughs> you're, you're, one more. This is There's always fashion. one more. Um, what's the future of the Pleasantville farmers market? Like, is there anything new that you guys are maybe th- talking about changing or updating or adding? There, well, more programming. All- I don't know. I feel like we have a really good formula, and one of the reasons we don't tinker with it too much is that we continue to see that same formula in place at all the best markets around the country. We'd love for it to be bigger, but we're constrained by parking. One of the things that's happening, and something that we're talking about, although I don't think it'll change materially, but they're redoing the space where we do the outdoor market. They're redoing all of Memorial Plaza, so we're going to have to relocate to the southern end of the of the plaza for a couple of years while they do the work and then we'll move back in. And I think hurt, it's, you think? Uh, it, it might a little bit. I mean, we're, we're still going to be in the plaza. So people who regularly come will find us there and we're working with a landscape designer and they're trying to create the equivalent of a, of a Pleasantville sized Bryant park. That's cool. You know, it's going to be small, but there's going to be a nice lawn. There's going to be Wi-Fi, the Adirondack chairs, beautiful landscaping. So, 
half of our market will be in that area. So it won't look too different from the village in, in Bryan Park. And then half of it would be in the parking lot area. So that's a lot for us to manage. But in terms of what a customer a shopper might experience. We think it's, we've got a really good formula. We've got a great vendor lineup and, you know, we don't have that much turnover because nobody wants to leave. And if it ain't broke, don't break it. There you go. That's one of my favorite things to say. <laughs> you say that in every podcast? Uh, no, never. No, never. first time. But <laughs> I, just, first I just like that one. Uh, like it's it. kind of like when, when uh, we'll start now. And then. Well, there's like a new Yankee stadium and like the old Yankee stadium was incredible. I know it was old, but like, that's what gave it like, that's what it was. And now you go to Yankee stadium now and it's corporate and, stuffy and yeah. it's not the same so i would hope that you guys keep that formula and you know maybe tinker a little things but keep it you know the same that's what we're gonna do and you should become a met fan because <laughs> city field is great. city city field is actually a nice field it's, yeah. it's pretty nice. out there a few times but i'm a pirates fan never the mets but i respect them hmm. <laughs> carl actually is not originally from new york i'm not that's why i'm such a this is such a diverse podcast because you you know obviously you're New York based. She's New York based. I've lived here for about four years, but I have a different perspective. Right. So, yeah. but I've been to a farmer's market or two in my life. Just, right. this sounds like a totally different experience than I would have ever it's imagined. Such a, it's really like such an immersive experience. And when you're there, I understand why people don't want to leave for a couple of hours because all of your senses are stimulated. So you're, you're thinking about the music, you're, you're walking around and then the top priority becomes falafel and you're waiting online. So, so we're going to have to get Carl to give up a weekend and East Hampton. Well, I was going to say That's next time tough. we should actually uh, <laughs> we should do something live at the farmers market. We're Maybe up for that. Fun, yeah. I would be up for that. Okay. How far away is it from our listeners? If we're in Flatiron, New York, where we are right now, and we're to go to Pleasantville, and right. I don't have a car, how would I get there? Well, it's in the Metro the, North. It's, it's in the Metro North parking on the line. Hudson. So uh, line. the Harlem line. Harlem line. Okay, yeah, so it's about 45, 48 minutes. That's not right far. up the. No, it's not yeah, it's far at easy. All. Yeah. And it's literally in the parking lot. So yeah, you just, you just you walk you there. walk off the train, you and walk right through there. the doors, and you're yeah. you're in the middle. Do you ever get anybody market. coming down the train that's like, oh no, I should have, and then gets off the next stop, <laughs> and <laughs> comes back? Well, like I said, you know, we've been watching where people are coming from, and every year the number of people that come from outside of Westchester has been creeping up. So from the when we started doing the survey, it was about one percent, which was just like a, a rounding error, and now we get about eight percent of our visitors from outside of Westchester and they're coming from New Jersey, Connecticut, the city. And I'm thinking, why would you come up from the city for this? You've got the union square market, but people, it's different. people like it's, it. It's, it's you get, market. You're rushing, but right? you're, you're getting out of the environment of I think like that's hustle. It. Bustle. Yeah. it seems like you're in a, a community, a family. It's just, I, I agree. I mean, I can kind of see the people uh, come union up. Square is yeah. nice, but it's different. I mean, different. I know when my friends from the city first came up to visit me, they're like, Wow, the country. It's so pretty up here. It's <laughs> what, 45 like it's, minutes it's, outside yeah. the city? just yeah. a suburb. It's totally. just a little bit outside. This is not really the country. This isn't Albany. Uh, Peter, this is so great. Thanks so much for being here. We really yeah. appreciate it. So how it. would we find you? Because I might have some people that are going to search. Yeah. Where would question. we find Pleasant Valley or Pleasantville? Pleasantville. Sorry. Well, online, pleasantvillefarmersmarket.org. Cool. And then if you wanted to come visit, uh, I mean, it's such a small town. Actually, if you drove to Pleasantville, you would see signs everywhere in town directing you to the farmer's market. But our, our winter market is on Romer Avenue in Pleasantville, and there are signs, street-level signs directing people. It's right in the middle school cafeteria. And then in the summer, it's in the Metro North parking lot. And the hours are Saturdays. Saturday, 8.30 to 1, all year round. Sounds amazing. Awesome. Thanks, well, thank you, Peter. Peter. Really thank appreciate you. your time.